Our reading today is from the book of Luke. So if you have a Bible with you, you feel free to open that, or if you would like a Bible, our Frontlines team can hand one out to you. You can just put your hand up. So we'll be in the book of Luke, chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these things up in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it is Advent. It's week three of Advent. Hard to believe. Uh, for those of you that have your countdowns for Christmas, you have your Advent calendars. Our, our kids are certainly rushing down in the morning asking if they can go downstairs to open their Advent calendars. But Advent really is this season in which we are expectantly waiting for the arrival of Jesus. Now, as has already been shared, Jesus has already arrived, but it also beckons us to also reflect upon the fact that he will one day, one day return again. And so we do all so long for that day. And so thank you, team, for also drawing us to the tension that exists there. Before I dig into our text this morning and also our morning's teaching, why don't we take a moment to pause, invite you to close your eyes, invite you to invite Jesus, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning as before we continue into our teaching. And so, Jesus, we do invite you, by your Spirit, to speak and move in our hearts today. I pray that if there's anyone in here that has never experienced you, committed their lives to following you, King Jesus, that this morning, Lord, that they would be wooed to your love and that you would draw them in. Thank you for this theme of joy that we are going to look at today. And though it is challenging to have joy in every circumstance, we are grateful that you allow us to also experience some joy in the midst of difficulty. 
We praise you in your name. Amen. Well, as we begin today, I want to invite you to think about a time when you had some good news to share. And maybe for you, it was getting into school. I uh, was on YouTube this week, and it's certainly a black hole of YouTube. But looking up uh, reactions to people getting into school, and of course, that happens now online, and so people set up cameras. <laughs> I have to imagine there's also a whole bunch of disappointed uh, reactions. But you don't oftentimes get those on YouTube. You get the excited reactions, and so people are freaking out. And I would have loved to uh, show you some of those on the screen. Uh, felt they were probably a bit inappropriate based upon some of the reactions and language that was being used. But uh, extremely exciting and uh, search with caution as you go from here. Um, maybe for you, it's the news of getting the job that you'd applied for, that you'd interviewed for. It was deeply, you deeply desired it. And so you couldn't wait to then share that news. Of course, we can think of engagement. You can think of uh, pregnancy announcements, maybe even retirement. You felt like, oh, I can't wait to share it. And a lot of those uh, sharing and those posts now happen, of course, on social media. Uh, my wife and I shared with our church family last week at our members meeting, our family meeting, that we're in process to adopt the child internationally, which we're extremely excited about. And so maybe you can think about these news, these pieces of news that you are excited to share, desiring to share. And I think we can all agree that regardless of the circumstances surrounding this good news, this, this joy that you are bringing, there is joy and there is good news even in the midst of the challenging circumstance. You've maybe been on the receiving end of hearing someone share that they were pregnant and you've been trying for months and years to have your own biological child. And so in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your challenging circumstance, there is a joy, but in a sense, it is also bittersweet. And so this morning, as we come to joy, we need to recognize that there is this tension, yet we also here in the scriptures come to great news, good news of actual great joy. And so we are going to be focusing on that in Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. Now, before we get to that text specifically, it's important to identify a pattern that Luke has been developing from the beginning of his gospel in Luke 1. And the pattern is this. First, God acts graciously. God acts graciously. He blesses his people with good news, unexpected circumstance. And then the second part of that pattern is then people respond appropriately with joy and with praise. So God acts graciously. People respond appropriately with joy and with praise. Here are a few examples. We have the pregnancy announcement from the angel to Zechariah about the birth of who would become John the Baptist to his barren wife, Elizabeth. Look at, look at Luke 1, verses 13 to 15. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Notice, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Or how about then in Luke 1, verse 44, Mary visits Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says this, For behold, speaking to Mary, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. This being John the Baptist is rejoicing at the fact that Mary is pregnant with Messiah. 
Or how about then Mary's song of praise, which was also already read for us this morning, Luke 1, 46 to 47. How does Mary respond? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, responding yet again to God acting graciously. Or how about then when Elizabeth gives birth, Luke 1, 57 to 58. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. What is that? God acts graciously and they rejoiced with her. God acts graciously. People respond appropriately with joy and with praise. And so through these patterns, do you get the sense tension is building? Joy is filling each scene, regardless of circumstance, in anticipation of Christ's birth. And then we get to chapter 2, and verses 1 to 7 are very well known, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. A decree goes out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, which means that each person must travel to their hometowns to do so. And as a result, result, Joseph must travel to Bethlehem, Mary accompanying him as his betrothed. And while there, what happens? She gives birth. Jesus, the Messiah, is born. He is laid in a manger in swaddling clothes because there's no place for them in the inn. Very famous and well-known verses. So God acts graciously. Jesus is born. And then we should be ready for it, right? The pattern has been building. The tension is growing. Luke 2, 8 to 20, through new eyes, let's hear what we read. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Naturally so. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, for you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, something like that. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, quickly, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Look how they respond. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. We'll explore that. But Mary treasured up all these things, in, up all these things pondering them in her heart, And then how do the shepherds respond? They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now there was lots to unpack here, but I'd love for us to hone in here on verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now just in case there's any confusion in our minds as to what the news is, or what the good news of great joy is. Here it is in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is who? Christ the Lord. In other words, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. 
Now, some of us might be like, is that, is that really good news? Well, look how they respond. They immediately go and find Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. They go in haste. Secondly, they tell the good news of great joy to others. In some sense, they can't hold back telling this news. It's how they respond. God acts graciously. People respond. And then how do they leave? They leave praising God for all that they had seen and heard. The pattern continues. God acts graciously, and people respond appropriately with joy and with praise. Now, we must ask ourselves the question, and some of these realities will be reminders to some of us. My prayer is that they come afresh to our ears in this Advent season. But why is this good news of great joy? And how is God acting graciously? Here are five reasons that I would identify here in this text. Reasons for how this is God acting graciously and how an appropriate response is joy and praise, even in the midst of challenging or tumultuous circumstances. Number one, Jesus' arrival is first announced to the lowly and outcasts, and he is therefore identifying with them. We, we oftentimes will talk about this, if you've been in the church repeatedly over and through a Christmas season, talk about the reality of how the shepherds were outcasts. It, it cannot be understated who these shepherds are within the culture. Shepherds were actually not allowed to testify in court or to be evidenced and witnesses because of who they were. Their, their word was not trusted. So you can kind of imagine, like, this is a very, you know, 21st century sort of analogy, but the lawyers kind of in the back room trying to figure out how are we going to present our case? And it's like, well, the only witnesses were shepherds. Shoot! Not the shepherds! You know, they're, they're frustrated. Okay, what are we going to do next? Yet, who is the first group of people that the birth of Christ, the Messiah, is announced to? The shepherds. In some ways, I wonder at verse 18, maybe you notice the detail, and all who heard it wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. Could the fact that they be wondering because it's shepherds? I mean, the news is, is a news of a Messiah. Like, certainly that's, that's enough to wonder about. But it came from shepherds. We can't trust your word. So Jesus' arrival is first announced to the lowly and the outcasts, and he's therefore identifying with them. Praise God. And this is, again, a theme that we see throughout his earthly ministry. He identifies with those on the margins. His good news comes in the least likely and the unexpected places, as Spencer even talked about last week as it relates to peace in unlikely and unexpected places. At a broader level, why is this good news of great joy? How is this God acting graciously? Well, the prophetic words about the Messiah are coming true in the birth of Jesus. The hope of the centuries has been filled. And so for this reason, the tidings are joyful. You know, for the devout, they would have been longing for this arrival. And here is that arrival. The 400 years of silence prior to this point where people are like, is God still interested in us? Is he out there? Here, the prophetic words about the Messiah are coming true. Thirdly, what this shows us is that God is not abandoning his people. He never has and he never will. God is not abandoning his people. He never has and he never will. I appreciate the words of Norvell Geldenhus. From his commentary, The Gospel of Luke, he writes, 
The incarnation of the Son of God is indeed still the only foundation upon which real fearlessness towards the invisible, the unknown, and the divine may be based. Without the coming of Christ, we should have had no assurance that God really exists as a personal God, perfect in love and mercy, and we should still have been overcome with fear as regards the invisible, the hereafter, the divine, and eternal. Notice what he writes, but thanks be to God that his son gave himself to the world in condescending love and became man, bringing a perfect revelation of God as the holy and merciful Lord. Ever since the incarnation of Jesus, all tidings from the higher world are good tidings of great joy for those who through him are at peace with God. For the child of God, the invisible and eternal, can no longer have any terror because Christ has come out of the unseen world and has returned to it and now fills the whole universe is his Redeemer and Lord. Thank you, Norville. So that's the third reason. God is not abandoning his people, never has, never will. But fourthly, God has come, and he is both our Savior, and he is also our Lord. Our Savior, he's the one who saves us from danger, from our sin, from our need, from death. Who safeguards against all, distract, all disaster and destruction. But he is also the Lord. He is the anointed one, the Messiah of God. He is our king, and we are to worship him as such. But then fifthly, the reason this is God acting graciously and we ought to respond with joy and praise appropriately is that the gospel is in motion. The good news of God rescuing and renewing creation through the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The good news, the gospel is in motion. Jesus has come. And so the results of this news, to remind us of the pattern yet again, God acts graciously. People respond appropriately with joy and praise. So like the news of a baby, an engagement, getting into school, retirement, fill in the blank, great joy is found regardless of the circumstance. I don't know the challenges that you are facing in this Christmas. I know that COVID and, and individual uh, feelings in different families around comfort levels have certainly affected the way that we gather together. I know that that can be tumultuous and difficult. Maybe there's a, a level of unknown as it relates to the future. Maybe every time you get together with family, it brings you back because it's a triggering moment. Maybe you've been doing some work and suddenly, boom, it's there. Whatever it is, those are the circumstances you find yourself in. And in the midst of that circumstance, would we also recognize that it is possible because of God acting graciously that joy comes? That doesn't mean that you can't live in that turmoil, in the difficulty it simply means that in this season, we do have reason to have a deep-seated joy, a joy that is different than happiness. You know, happiness can come and it can go. It's fleeting. Yet joy is deep. In James, it says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials. 
trials, difficult circumstance, yet joy. And where does that joy come from? Looking upon God acting graciously. And so my prayer for us in this season is that we would affix our eyes on Jesus, on the gift, on his act of grace, and that from that place we would respond appropriately in the midst of our circumstance. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the gift of yourself coming to be with us, that you have not abandoned us, that you do not stand far off from us, that you join us. I thank you that you came to the shepherds and for any of us that feel like we need to show up and have it all together, God, maybe even separate or live away from those on the margins, would we recognize where you came first and who your birth was announced to first? That your identity, you're identifying with individuals and may we, Jesus, follow you into the unlikely and unexpected places. And God, regardless of the circumstance in this season, we have challenging circumstances. We can't get away from that. Would we live in this tension that yes, things are difficult, yet there is a joy that we have internally deep in our souls, in our executive center that comes from you? And would you show us what that looks like in this season, in the places where we live, where we work, where we learn, and where we play? We thank you. Amen.